Hi, this is Panel Beater and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radiotherapy, a weekly radio show dedicated to health, medicine and well-being. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radiotherapy's Facebook page. We're coming to myself here in the studios uh, in Brunswick East, glamorous Brunswick East, with a couple of my dear colleagues on Skype. I've got Neonatal and Dr. Sharma with me. Can you hear me, guys? Good morning. Uh-huh, good stuff. <laughs> we we didn't get a chance to speak before the show started, so there was a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a mystery to whether we were connected or not. Good to have you with us. Um, we are here, ready to go. We're very, very distant. Probably the most distant we've ever been. Uh, all uh, I'm certainly in my in my home. I believe uh, neonatal is as well. Yeah, yeah I am about uh, three or four kilometres south of. Uh, Panel beta right now. Right. Okay. So we're doing our bit for um, uh, social distancing. Geez, times are changing, aren't they, fellas? Since we last spoke together, we were probably even fantasizing about being in the same studio again. And we've gone two steps back. What's your take? I think um, long term listeners of us will, will recognize that we've always said that this uh, pandemic has shocked us to the core. And some of the some of the times it's been good shocks with a uh, wheeling back of lockdown and uh, you know incredibly low cases, low community transmission, and unfortunately this month it's a bit of a bad shock. It really is, really is. Just even since last week, uh, Dr. Sharma, you've been um, in amongst it. Um, what's your take on the last seven days? It's the the pace of change that really gets me. Uh, you know, I can uh, I, I know. Uh, things are going wild when I'm not sleeping uh, quite as much because uh, I'll get some kind of alert on my phone from someone about, did you hear X, Y, Z happen? There's a hard lockdown here. There's a restriction there. And within the, within the day, you'll get at least two pieces of pretty seismic news. That's right. uh, so it's just a pace we've got to get used to again. Uh, it feels like we're back in March. It, it does. Uh, it, yeah, it does feel like we're back in March, but there, there is something different about it. I think part of it is... Um, I'm, I'm nervous about the level of camaraderie in the community. Um, I don't know whether I'm just being a bit cynical or a bit jaded, um, but back in March it did feel like we were sort of community-minded in a way that's not exactly the same now. We've seen a little bit of that regarding ma- regarding masks. That's right, yeah. We're seeing uh, some of these kind of fractures in the public debate uh, occur, and uh, and I think initially there was obviously so much um, unity among people, especially when we saw that the lockdowns worked. Uh, and, and now we're seeing some of that fatigue that uh, we know Daniel Andrews has been talking about. The mask is now you know, starting to, to, to become potentially uh, become a bit contentious. Um, we, we'll see how that debate evolves. Hopefully it won't turn into a full-blown American scenario. And also just the, the way that certain um, things have been portrayed in the news. Um, so we've seen, obviously, the hard lockdowns and how there seems to be a very uh, very, very different how we deal with, with, with outbreaks in some places compared to others. Yeah. And so you're right, I am concerned about how these things are being portrayed. And, and uh, you know, the, the real test is can we do this with unity and compassion going forward? Yeah, yeah. How's your week been, um, neonatal? Um, you, the students are being mobilised a little bit, to my understanding. Yes, yeah, I'm back um, back in the hospitals. Uh, it's 
a bit a bit surreal. Um, starting back, I started back last week, uh, and a bit surreal starting back in the midst of a resurgence in cases and community transmission, and the general anxiety around uh, what that means for healthcare workers and what that means for being in a hospital. Um, I started back, and the first day I was told to put on a mask and don't take it off until I left the hospital. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of masks, I don't know um, uh, if you guys got any recommendations. I went mask shopping and, um, you know, as soon as uh, I heard the news, I, I made a beeline and it was already out. So I end, I've ended up ordering online. You guys, uh, what's your access like being uh, health workers? I have – oh, well, I've also gone the cloth mask because, um, you know, uh, reduce that plastic waste, reduce that – and uh, try and keep some keep some masks for the healthcare workers. But um, I also had to order it online, and I somewhat preempted it by ordering it about two weeks ago. Right. Well, that's fantastic. You're ahead of me. Uh, I've been using masks in the workplace and really haven't been anywhere except for, for there and home. Yeah. Uh, but I will be looking into cloth masks for sure. And I think it's just really important that everyone just check the government's website in terms of the recommendations for what mm. constitutes a good cloth mask, that it needs to be waterproof on the outside, that it's got three layers. And th- there's, a, there's a lot of fantastic masks that are out there and being sold and manufactured locally, but it's just important we get the right one. Just before we move on from masks and get into our show proper, um, uh, Dr. Sharma, can you clarify a question I've seen bouncing around is whether those masks that have the valve in them are any use at all? Do they defeat the purpose? A lot of people are saying, especially people who wear glasses, they're saying that their their glasses fog up. So if they get the valve mask, um, then that somehow mitigates it. What's your understanding? And I guess this really calls into question what the, the purpose of the mask really is, doesn't it? Uh, the, the, the issue with the, the valve is it literally allows uh, for air expelled by you through your mouth and nose to go outside. So if you are the one who's infected, uh, you will potentially be yeah. leaking that virus out. Uh, so it's important we understand that there's two purposes of the mask, which is firstly to prevent you from inhaling the virus that might be uh, uh, out there, but also to stop you from spreading to people being source control. So I think that is a bit of a problem with valve masks for sure. In fact, yeah. we've had the CHO yesterday say uh, to, to opt against those valve masks. I think the solution to stop a lot of this fogging up is to um, to put a bit of tape across the top of the mask um, uh, so and mould that that uh, that right. uh, you get that metal ridge that you often get in these disposal masks. Uh, so, so there's there's a few options there. Bit of trial and error. Yep. Hey, um, it was only just last Saturday afternoon that news started coming through that um, there was some police mobilised around the um, the public housing around Melbourne, um, and uh, that's just last weekend. So uh, if we've had a busy week, if we've uh, had a lot going on as we've been watching the news, we can imagine that it's been quite a week for those on the ground in those communities uh, living in the public housing and those that are trying to support them. And this uh, episode of Radiotherapy, we're dedicating our attention to finding out what that week's been like, especially with our keen eye on the health and well-being of those communities. Um, shortly, uh, at, the, at the tail end of the show, we'll be speaking with a spokesperson from um, Voices from the Blocks who have um, been very active in getting messages across about the needs um, and playing a role of advocates for um, those communities. 
Um, we'll also be speaking with uh, Margaret Simons, um, who's uh, a freelance journalist that many people will know from her recent work on The Guardian or if you're following her during the week uh, on social media, has been um, providing uh, enormous and excellent coverage of the circumstances um, on each of the blocks. Um, and very shortly, um, after a short break in just a moment, we'll actually speak with a resident of Flemington um, Tower Block, um, Awatif Taha. Um, some people may have caught Awatif's article in The Guardian um, during the week, um, which went up on Wednesday, and I had a chance to speak with her during the week. Um, and a lot has happened even since Wednesday. So we're very keen to hear those voices and, um, and hear about those circumstances um, in the community blocks. You're on Radio Therapy with myself, uh, panel beta, um, Dr. Sharma, and Neonatal. We'll take a, uh, a short break while we try and get Awatif on the line, um, and we'll be back very shortly. Stay with us. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos, and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. We're very pleased uh, to be able to speak with Awatif Taha, who's joining us on the phone. Awatif um, is a resident of Flemington and has had quite a week, um, as many of you will be well aware from following um, the circumstances of the uh, community and public housing um, in, um, uh, over the past week with the lockdown um, and then the slight uh, relief um, and then some uncertainty about services and support. Um, Awatif... Are you there on the line with us? Yeah, yes, I'm here. Welcome to Triple R and Radiotherapy. It really is wonderful to um, have you with us. And thank you for having me today. Um, we spoke on uh, Wednesday, and it was a, it, at that point um, all of the towers were in lockdown. Um, before we get to what's going on right now, would you just take a moment to talk to us about your experience of the week? You know, starting from um, last um, Saturday, how did the news reach you that you were being put into um, isolation uh, in a particular way that the rest of the Melbourne community wasn't? You know, rest of um, residents here, they didn't know anything about this. For myself, I went out to the pharmacy to bring some medicine. When I came back, I find all the police and the media outside. And when I asked the police, no one answered me. When I come in the lift, my neighbor, she say, oh, what did you hear today? You're going to be locked down. No any idea about what's going on. But when we come inside, we find this... Uh, uh, yes, this is decision for the Danny. Right. At that moment, was the communication coming from the police or was it coming from social workers? Um, who was giving you information at that time? No one. We didn't, no one give us anything. The police came and the media came and we, we find ourselves and just no one. My, no one. My... Yes, we hear the, yes, we hear the announce, they say, yeah, come on for the test down. That is all, but no idea. No one have any idea about what's going on outside. Awatif, it is probably the most common thing I've heard from any and all residents is just the, sh the shock of this happening all of a sudden and not being told what's happening. So I'm wondering if you can share within your own home in these flats, what was the, what was the mood? What, what were you guys thinking during those first few hours? You know, for me, to be honest, 
we feel uh, we are different from other. Uh, because I think the Premier, he didn't treat us like any Australian. Because, you know, any place, any place they lock down, they give them two days at least, they understand what's going on, they prepare themselves, they've been ready, you know, mentally and emotionally, they've been ready for everything, but for us, nothing, you know. Even some people, they, you know, I don't know, my friend, half of her family outside, they went to visit the grandma far away. You know, some people, they, yeah, it's very shock for us. And they treat us, it's not good, you know, because, I don't know, because the people, they live in this high-rise, 70% of them, of them is the refugees, none is English is weaker, and they didn't understand for the right, or uh, because most of them is, I don't know, I can't describe how we feel, you know. Until now, we feel we are different, we are not Australian, we are not belong to this country. I would say, if, uh, I was just wondering how that feeling evolved throughout the week. You know, we saw a lot of um, different reactions from the community, some really amazing reactions with um, people volunteering and providing support. How did that make you feel? We really, we have really strong uh, community, you know, and I need to thank everyone who stands for us, who help us, who volunteer and give his time by uh, donation, by give his time, by stand for us, by even the lawyer, everyone, even the neighbor, you know, when I walk the first day, I saw the flowers, they write amazing uh, things for us. Everyone is stand for us, you know. We really appreciate this one, and we're really happy about the communities coming together to stand for us. <laughs> Sorry, um, Awatif, the three of us uh, at this end, we're, on, um, we're not in the same room, so we're trying to guess who's speaking next and not talk over each other. Um, Awatif, I, I understand that you're in your unit, your flat, uh, with your husband and one child, is that right? Yeah, my daughter, she's 10. Okay, and um, is that similar to your neighbour's circumstances? No, no, no. My my neighbour, my neighbor, some people, they have seven in the, in the two-bedroom, some they have six in two-bedroom, three-bedroom. It's different, you know. Some people, it's really crowded, you know. Some family, it's very hard for them, you know, to many seven kids in that uh, tiny place. It's very hard, you know. It's not easy. Right. They can't cope, you know. They can't cope. And you... Nine people, seven people. It's really hard. You mentioned that uh, last Saturday, the way that you found out, you were returning from the pharmacy. Um, how has medical um, support been within the um, within the uh, flats uh, over this past week? Have have you been speaking with neighbours who have needed to access um, doctors and so on? You know, I, I tell you about my experience for myself. I uh, I went to the pharmacy at that time and I find the pharmacy is the late. I didn't bring anything. I, I looking for eye drop and uh, when I come back I get it eye drop. When I came back and uh, I called DHS about I want medical uh, I need the eye drop for myself. It's been five days. Every day I call. Every day I call. Every day I call. No one care. I have my friend. I call her. She follow out. I receive my medication. 
in the last day when we get out. Oh, right. And is that, yes. a, is that a story that you're hearing from your neighbours as well, right? No, yeah. they are not doing a good job, believe me. They are oh. not doing a good job. Some people are screaming, some people they are fighting, some people they didn't get the medicine, some people they are crying, you know. They, they are not organized. If you need to look some people out, you need to organize, you need to uh, think about medication, think about mental health, think about uh, many people, you know. Dr. Sharma? Oh, yeah. Atif, yeah, yes, all, all the uh, uh, these points you're making are, are, are so incredibly valid because there's just no other way we'd hear it. Um, all we hear from the outside, of course, is that everything's being organised, but what that organisation actually looks like, uh, only you really can tell us. I'm intrigued. Um, one of the things that was uh, uh, that you mentioned in that article in the Guardian was a really complex, balanced point. You, you said that you know we are we are happy to know uh, who is sick. And it feels good that the government is now thinking about us. Um, and yet, you know, you, you're saying obviously how this is a clearly a big public health challenge. But you also noted that there are maybe a lot of things that could have been done before. What are some of those yeah. things that the government could have paid attention to before this lockdown needed to happen? You know, I'm really happy today to see the government, they do what they wrote in the article. In every level now, today, they, they did for us uh, the sanitizer. Why that did not happen before? Now it happened. Today, when I see sanitizer in my level, I'm, I'm really happy. And I, and I say, yes, it's good for me to talk uh, in behalf of my community and to stand for uh, to stand for my rights. Now I saw in each level, we have the Sanitizer. Uh, Awatif, I'm wondering, um, what are you being told at the moment about current arrangements for the support of you and your family and those around you in the in the in the tower block? And um, what does the next week look like? Uh, I don't know for us because now we, uh, uh, you know, for you know, you know, for us now, the something they shook us me again. We don't know who is sick, who is uh, negative. And now everyone is locked more than before. We scared now because we don't know who is the positive. And people, they, some people are scared to get out now from the house. I don't know the house uh, is going to be that. But now I think the government, they start doing what we ask for. But when I now I need to to maybe if I went out to write another article, we need for the government to take anyone who positive out of our building, for us to feel free and to go outside to do exercise to feel happy. For me now I can't go outside because I'm scared. If anyone in the lift here have a positive, I don't know. This is really is uh, a little bit tricky for us now. Everyone is uh, scared. For example, yesterday the, the the nurse come to ask me about my drop, and my neighbor she said to me, "I want to find this nurse coming to you. Are you positive?" I say, "No, I'm not positive." Look, people, how they now they scared from each other. Our teeth. Um, that's um, yeah, quite a complex complex idea that you've that you've brought up. I was wondering if the there's been a lot of talk about uh, not the government not providing enough uh, 
information in language and in the diverse number of languages that are represented in these public housing uh, flats. Has that changed over the past week? Are you receiving information in local languages um, that is accessible? Yeah. You know, Siruza, now I remember when we went to the test, they bring all the interpreter and the announcing uh, for uh, every, you know, every, they, now they have a lot of interpreter announcing for to coming down. And I see a lot of information down the stairs. And I see sanitizer everywhere. Something is changing now. Yes, something is really changing. Um, Awadif, oh, sorry, no, you go, Dr. Chama. And Awadif, so you, you've made some, some really good points about uh, what should, should have been done uh, in the past. And, uh, you know, I don't think anyone wants that, that terrible feeling you're describing of feeling like that there's a, a, a you versus them and uh, that, you, you know, you don't feel Australian, I suppose. Like, of course, these outbreaks might happen in future. How would you like to see this handled? In future, how would you like the government to act in future if these things happen again? Obviously, one of the things you've said is anyone who's who's COVID positive, you'd like them maybe have them out of this discussion about having them in hotels. But if there are other outbreaks, how would you like them to to, to treat uh, your community differently? You know, I don't know. Uh, we need, you know, like the you know Danny to treat us like a, a like for example. To give us at least six hours or five hours, it doesn't matter to be a day. Say, look, people in Flamengo, Kensington, North Melbourne, from five o'clock and ten o'clock, ten o'clock, you're gonna be locked down. That is something like that. We feel like a, uh, we feel like Australian. We belong to Australia. You, if you have two child, you treat one is badly and one is good. How another child feel? If you buy one for him, I kill him, and you and you left another one. How he feel? Mm. It's really bad. Awatif, um, do you happen to have um, uh, contacts with the people who are still in the towers that are currently locked down? And if so, are you hearing um, what their circumstances are at the moment? Yeah, I, I have. I have uh, three friends in Sri Alfred Street. And these people all they are negative, but uh, they are negative, but they really scared to live in this building with more than fifty three positive cases, you know. Yeah. And they really scared now. I call them every day, you know. I say, how do you feel inside? They feel good. And I have one of them is mental health. One of them she have a, a, a little kid, you know. She can't manage a little kid. She have five kids, four kids, and including her and her husband, six people. And I have another friend. She have two teenagers. It's really, it's really hard, you know. Even you know, even this one is uh, also is uh, is uh, complicated. If you test me, I'm negative. Let me uh, let me stay positive. Let them go. It's the hospital for the positive people. Let them go. Let the people negative. Why do you lock negative with the positive? Why do you lock them together? Yeah, I think you're making a, a great point. There are layers to the stress and anxiety for um, people involved, uh, isn't there? You know, there's the there's the um, there's the simple stress just with COVID being uh, mixing in our community. Then there's the stress of the accommodation circumstances and the stress that's involved with having police around um, the building. So, and then of course there's um, just health issues more broadly. Um, as you say, people um, needing access to their doctors and um, 
and medicine uh, in ordinary circumstances, but the stress is exacerbated by the way things are at the moment. Um, I, I, we need to um, wind up our interview for the moment, um, Oatif, but I, I want to make sure that you um, know that we're thinking of you and are wishing you very, very well um, and, and we're paying as close attention as we can to the circumstances and doing what we can to make sure that yeah. um, attention is given to you and your community. You know, I'm really thank you for everyone, but we still I have question mark for then why he treat us like this. He need to give us the answer why. Just before we go, what 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 do you think is the answer that he would give? I don't know. Maybe he's, maybe some people they thought we're gonna run. We're not gonna the test. I don't know. I don't know. I still I need to I need the answer why why he surround us with the police. With the media, without anything, without, we are not a criminal, you know, we are not a criminal, we didn't do anything bad. We follow Australian law, we work, we buy our tax, we do everything good. Why? Why he treat us like this? We need the answer for him. Why? He need to give us the answer. We do this for you because, as I mentioned in my article, if he, if he did everything for us and we didn't follow the rules, this is going to be our punish, you know? He need to say, hi, guys, you didn't follow the rules, I'm going to lock you down. Yes. But you didn't bring for us any information, you didn't take care of us, you didn't bring for us sanitizer, you didn't bring the mask, you didn't bring more information. Why you did like this? Dr. Sharma, did I hear you just about to speak? No, I'm, I'm quite speechless because I, I think... It's uh, it's the perfect question with, I'm guessing, an, an answer that is never going to be good enough, really. And uh, we just need to make sure that you know, this doesn't happen in future. All I'm hearing from, from our teeth is that we, we needed a warning at the start and communication at the start. And even now, we're left uh, wanting for answers. Mm. Uh, this is really frustrating stuff. And we just hope this you know, it doesn't happen like this again. And, you know, also we have uh, really um, people, they very, uh, they not understand uh, when they're going to go, where is the medication. They give us the number for DHS. No one care about that. When you call, you say, oh, I take it urgent. I take it my supervisor. When you call next time, you say, sorry, we didn't, uh, you didn't have, uh, we didn't reward the staff. Call me again. They, you know, they need to be information when they look at down. Look, this is for the doctor, this is for the nurse, this is for this, this is for this. People, they, they need to understand and to and to go to the right service. But if if I didn't know the number and I didn't know where is the doctor, where is the nurse, how I gonna get medication? How I can go? It's very, very, very complicated. Awatif, I can hear in your voice the the level of frustration, and rightly so. Um, uh, and I do hope that um, our policymakers are, are paying close attention. And but I do know that the Triple R community and our listeners are really grateful to have had the opportunity to hear you share with us your your experience. I'm sure it means a lot to us to hear from you, not just through the um, lens of. Um, only the media or, or um, our politicians um, talking about the story. So thank you very much for your time this morning and we wish you and your family and um, everybody around you all the very best. And thank you for having me and thank you for all Australians who stand for us by everything and thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, Aratif. Take care.
Bye. Bye. That was Awatif Taha, um, who was speaking to us from Flemington about her experience of the past week. Um, Gentlemen, Dr. Fiom, neonatal, um, it's pretty crystal clear that um, this story needs to... um, we need to keep some attention on this story. The, the the well-being of the people in these flats is is clearly, well, it it certainly seems is not getting um, the um, on the ground level of attention it needs. Yeah, it was a pretty powerful story from Alatif there, and a a very simple very simple question to finish it off. Why? Yeah, and I think that's the question that I'm not sure we'll ever get the answer to. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. Margaret Simons, welcome to Radiotherapy Triple R. Thank you. Good morning. I gather you're on the ground at the moment. Where did you say you were? Uh, which which uh, block are you at? I'm outside 33 Alfred Street, North Melbourne, which is the one that is still in um, hard lockdown quarantine. And is this the one um, I just saw on the way into the studio this morning overnight? There was some cyclone fencing going up and then taken down. Is that the same block? That is the block. um, And that's one of the things I'm trying to get to the bottom of. Um, So far, I'm going on uh, social media posts by people who were here on the spot and the Flemington Kensington Legal Service. Um, I'll be talking to um, some of those people later today and also to some of the residents inside the flat. Right. It sounds ex- it sounds extraordinary measure putting up fencing. I mean, as if the messaging is already um, a, a quite negative and punitive, uh, putting more fencing up. Goodness me, I can't imagine what yeah. the thinking is. Well, I've put some questions through to the Department of Health and Human Services asking them about this. They haven't got back to me yet. Right. If I try and put myself into their shoes, which is not my job, but nevertheless, what I'm anticipating they'll say is that it's a similar sort of quarantine measure that's been put in place at some quarantine hotels, particularly in the state. Yeah. But I think the really underlying issue, and as I say, I have yet to talk to people, so this is just my preliminary sure. thoughts. The underlying issue is that there isn't communication with the community. So you would think, given the tensions and the difficulties of this situation, that if such a measure was deemed necessary, there might have been some talk to the community about how that would be organised and the need for it and any possible alternatives. Uh, As far as I can gather, that hasn't been done, but I may have more to say later. Right. Maintaining a Twitter stream, um, which is up to date. Just before we go into some more detail about today and and what might be just ahead of us, I wonder, given that you've been there since uh, last Saturday, uh, Sunday, I I wonder if you could characterise what the week has been like. It's the the story's very fluid. There's lots of layers to it, and there's um, there's some nuance between the different towers. And of course, uh, when it started, it was the towers in lockdown. Now the rest of Melbourne metropolitan and is in lockdown. Uh, how would you, uh, uh, yeah, characterise the, the transition through the week? Well, there's been quite a big difference on the Flemington estate, which, uh, for your listeners, is now largely on the same basis as the rest of Melbourne, stage three restrictions. Some issues there because there are people there who tested positive who are having to maintain quarantine with their close contacts, but the bulk of the population is now on the same basis as you or I legally. Um, it's pretty chilled there. I walked through that estate on my way here this morning. Uh, couldn't see any police. It's not to say there aren't any there, but I didn't see any. So certainly a very much reduced police presence. 
uh, women and children out and about, ambling around in the morning sunshine. Uh, pretty chilled there. bit tenser down here at Alfred Street, certainly very visible police presence. Not the hundreds that we saw a week ago when the lockdown was first imposed. Um, and in the park next to the Bunkhall Street Community Centre, uh, there's a big setup here with SES workers, police, a bit of a tent city. It's a restricted area, so I haven't got in there yet. I'll be asking for permission to go and have a look around in just a moment. Margaret, I just wanted to um, thank you for all the, the work you've been doing over the past week. I think it's so important having you on the ground and I think keeping everyone accountable and showing the rest of you know, Victoria and even uh, the country what is really happening uh, with these hard lockdowns. I just wanted to get an idea of what the, the current state of that lockdown tower is. You said you can't uh, currently access it. Are the other residents getting the necessary healthcare uh, services that uh, some of the other towers missed out on at the start of this hard lockdown, or are they still I've, struggling? I've got conflicting reports on that. Um, certainly food is now sorted. I would say that that has been sorted since Wednesday of last week. The first couple of days, frankly, were chaos. Um, there have been reports overnight uh, on the social media accounts of some of the community, people who've been involved in the support that they had trouble getting medical help to residents. I haven't independently confirmed those, but I'll be trying to do that today. Margaret, I'm wondering if you can uh, expand a bit on uh, some of those community organisations uh, that are involved. I've, I've seen uh, several names floating around. Obviously, ASRC has, has been doing their bit, as have uh, AMSA and, uh, and and the unions. What have you seen in terms of the, the efforts of community organisations and, and how, how they've helped so far? Yes, well, there have been a number of community organisations and also, of course, uh, many volunteers working with the SES. Um, but in terms of the community, if you like, the wider community of the people in the housing, the ones that are actually locked down, um, Australian Muslim um, Social Services, um, AMSA, Youth Connect, uh, was there right from the start. And at times in the first couple of days when the government was struggling to get food to people, um, they were definitely delivering. Now, it was chaotic sometimes, and the authorities certainly um, shut them out in what I've described in a piece in The Guardian as uh, the community not really being involved or consulted in its own care. Now, my understanding is that those tensions have dissipated, that AMSA is now being, has been thanked by the police minister, Lisa Neville, at the press conference on Thursday, and is now being involved in the ongoing effort. Um, but there were problems here overnight. So if you can look at my Twitter feed to see some reports of that by people who were here. And I'm trying to get to the bottom of what was going on there. At the moment, I'd have to say, while there's certainly visible police presence, it's pretty relaxed. I can't see any signs of trouble. Somebody's waving to me from the window at the moment. Doesn't look too unhappy. Mm. But I will be finding out more and reporting through the day on at Margaret Simons on Twitter. Yeah, yes, please, people, um, um, take a look at uh, Margaret's Twitter feed and we'll make sure we link with that um, in the show notes. Um, Margaret, could you talk to us more about the police presence? The first images that were coming through were police turning up in really large numbers, um, guns holstered, and um, it looked incredibly intimidating. Has there been any sense of winding numbers back um, or and the nature of the engagement between uh, the community and the police? 
Um, on the Flemington estate, most definitely. As I said, I walked through there earlier. These two estates, I should say, are about, depending on how you walk, 500 metres apart. Um, and on the Flemington estate, um, I didn't see any police just walking through quickly this morning. Um, so if they're there, you know, certainly the numbers are massively reduced from the hundreds who were there on Saturday and most of the week. Um, here at Alfred Street, which is still, as I say, under hard lockdown and quarantine, there's two or three police at every entrance. Um, they're, you know, looking pretty relaxed, just hanging around chatting. Um, but, you know, definitely a, a visible police presence um, around the quarantine. Um, and and are you seeing um, uh, medical services come through? Uh, are, are they building relationships with the police, even if it's community medicine um, come through? Are the police receptive to those, or are they being particularly um, ob- obstructive in, for the, even those visitors? Look, this is a general comment, and I don't want to downgrade the fact that there have been issues with um, some pretty heavy-handed policing. But as a general comment, I don't think the individual police have been the main problem. Um, in fact, of course, there's a very long and very difficult relationship between these communities and police. But I would say that the police have shown more sense of how to deal with the community and how to de-escalate situations uh-huh. than the Department of Health and Human Services. As right. I say, that's a general comment, and there are exceptions to that. And sure. I don't want to um, downgrade those or, or um, not validate the experience that people have been on the end of that. Um, but, uh, of course, when they're hearing hundreds of police with flashing blue lights and the whole emergency response, it's very hard for them not to look extremely intimidating, and they did scare people. Yeah, yeah. Now, Margaret, this may be an impossible question to answer, but uh, I was just wondering what's your thoughts on this the potential of this happening again. These, these towers are not something that... Um, uh, these are not the only two tower blocks in Melbourne. They're all over, all over the um, the inner Melbourne area, and there's a genuine potential that other individuals will be affected in other towers. Do you think the government well, would uh, bring this back into one of those tower blocks? I don't know because I'm not inside the government. I would hope that lessons have been learnt from this. I mean, it is very clear that there was no preparation for this scenario. The police got about two hours' notice. Everybody else got much less or none. Um, And that's part of the story behind the chaos. Uh, Going further back, the Victorian pandemic plan doesn't mention uh, public housing, although, you know, you would think it didn't take a medical degree to see that it might be a risk issue in a pandemic. Um, So, you know, what I'm hoping happens from here is that the community is brought into the effort while, of course, we're all having to face some very difficult scenarios and actions by our government, um, I would hope that those scenarios are thought through and planned for in connection with the community, which I would have to say would make them more effective. Something like 10% of the residents subjected to hard lockdown last week never opened their doors to the authorities during the entirety of the crisis. Um, They weren't tested. Um, so about 85% of the population was tested in these flats. Now, clearly, if the possibility that something like this might happen had been explained beforehand and if their own community was involved, the lockdown would actually work better, not worse, I would have thought. Um, what I'm hoping is that those lessons have been learned. I'm not going to call it on whether the lockdown was justified or not, but I am going to say the implementation um, has been pretty atrocious. 
Thank you, Margaret. Margaret, yeah, that's some very fair comments that are pretty hard to disagree with there. Uh, that said, you know, I'm curious about your your role and, and essentially activism in this through just uh, shedding some daylight and actually what's happening on the ground because you may not live in the towers, but I understand this is in your neighbourhood and I'm wondering if you can share what this feels like for you personally being neighbours and part of the, the, the very community that you're, uh, that you're helping uh, shed, shed some light on. Yeah, well, I, I should make clear I'm not part of the public housing tenants community. I wouldn't claim that. But I have lived in Flemington, uh, two blocks from the Flemington estate, for a very long while. I can't think how long, but decades. My children went to the local primary schools and high schools, and um, at various times we were in and out of these flats when they had friends there. Their classmates lived here, many of them. Um, and I've reported on this community before, particularly I referred earlier to that long and difficult history with the police and I've reported on some of that before so yeah they're my neighbours and I was watching the press conference on Saturday when Daniel Andrews announced this and I have to say the shock was profound and I guess decades of being a journalist meant I just picked up my phone ran to the estate and started tweeting pictures of police cars um, and I've been doing something like that ever since not not all police cars but trying to maintain a news service for the local community, both the people inside the flats and outside, um, and also um, reporting on it to The Guardian. Margaret, we've got um, time is flying and we've still got one more guest. We'll be shortly speaking with voices from the blocks. Um, before we go, how do you, um, what's your crystal ball telling you about this afternoon and even into the first part of uh, next week? What, what are we looking to watch and see unfold? Well, we need to find, and I'll be trying to do this today, to get to the bottom of the DHHS thinking around how exercise is going to be supervised. I gather that was, that was what the fence was meant to be for, to create an exercise area. Right. We need to get to the bottom of how that's going to play out. We need to find out, as you said, whether health precautions are now being taken in the other public housing blocks around Melbourne, whether those communities are being involved and consulted in scenario planning, because as you indicated, it's highly likely that we will have other clusters in public housing. Um, And, you know, we all have to hope that implementation will be better and that the community will cooperate rather than being put on the outside of the whole situation. Sorry, that's a... You no. know what I mean? Yeah, Outside sure. of consultation on the inside of the flat. <laughs> yes. Margaret, thank you so much. Do you want to just um, give out your Twitter handle uh, one more time? Sure. It's at Margaret Simons, and Simons is spelled S-I-M-O-N-S, like the boy's name with an S on the end. One- Margaret Simons. Wonderful, Margaret. Um, and uh, yes, people, um, if you do have a, happen to have a Twitter account and you're following this um, uh, story, uh, you could do a lot worse than follow Margaret's on uh, Margaret on um, on Twitter. Margaret, thank you so much for your time. I know you're um, going to be uh, under the pump a lot for the rest of the day. Uh, thank you very much for spending some time with us on Radiotherapy. It's a pleasure. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. We've been speaking with um, Margaret Simons, freelance journalist, who's been covering the um, the unfolding story at the um, public housing around Melbourne in the um, period of the lockdown of last week. Uh, we'll take a sh- very quick break and we'll have our next guest, uh, a spokesperson from um, uh, Voice- Voices from the Blocks, in just a moment. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how.
Joining us now is a spokesperson from uh, Voices from the Blocks, Areej. Areej, welcome to uh, Radiotherapy. Thanks for having me. Really wonderful. We've, um, I don't know how much of the show you've caught, but we spoke to a resident earlier on um, this morning uh, who was very uh, articulate and clear about some of the experiences um, that they're having individually for the, herself and her family. Um, can you tell us what's the work that Voices, on the Blo- Voices from the Blocks are doing with um, those families and communities? Okay, so essentially Voices from the Blocks um, is a group of people who have come together, mostly people who are from the community. So myself, Areej, I represent the RAP here on Triple R, but I also have a lot of family in North Melbourne and in Flemington. I've got a background in journalism and I work at a university and there's a bunch of people who are counsellors, social workers, youth workers, community organisers who have family and friends or grew up in this area or lived here in the past who have come together from Saturday um, because we knew in that moment when they said that they were going to deploy 500 police officers that there would be a problem because we know about the relationship between police officers and the community um, and then it was very important for all of us to be here because the Department of Health and Human Services have actually completely fumbled the ball and it ended up being us who has had to coordinate food, which is we're doing less of now, but um, more importantly, and in relation to the show that you guys are working on at the moment, um, deal with the medical deal with the medical issues. Um, and we have direct communication. Voices from the Box is us as community members as well as residents in um, North Melbourne and Flemington. That's what makes up our little collective. And, um, well, it sounds like you guys have got a lot to cover there. You just uh, alluded to the health and well-being of the residents, and that's obviously a very particular interest of uh, to us. Um, what are you witnessing? We're witnessing some absolutely horrific scenarios, right? So there's been a few problems. The first problem is, particularly at the beginning, it has been hard to get medicine, for instance, high blood pressure medicine, insulin, Ventolin, these kind of day-to-day regular medicine for people who have chronic illnesses up into the towers to the extent that it would take days to get medical supplies up the towers. Not last night, the night before, I was on my way home hoping that I could leave before midnight for the first time in the last week and I had a gentleman who was dropping off um, high blood pressure medicine and allergy medicine for his mother in 33 Alfred and he had been trying for such a long time to get that in and he said to me listen is there any way that you can help me get this upstairs my mum really needs it she's run out it's been a day and if she doesn't have her medicine as soon as possible um we don't know what could happen if her high blood pressure skyrockets anything could happen right an elderly elderly woman so we have had to be the go-between between our our residents um, as well as their families who were trying to drop off medicine and DHHS to just get it upstairs to the people. And it was what, what is the blockage as you understand it? Like what, what is the obstacle to this? It's, so there's a few things. One is that in order for anything to go upstairs, there needs to be a representative from the Department of Human Services and Victoria Police. So, and not just any Victoria Police. There is some Victoria Police um, who are just monitoring the area, and there's other Victoria Police that go upstairs, right? And this process has changed almost every single day in the last um, week. Um, so at the very beginning, it was really com- confusing. It was really, really, really complicated. And since yesterday, it's actually become a little bit simpler, but it's still kind of hard to get stuff upstairs. So, for instance, what would happen is we have a, li- a bunch of items, so food items, medical items, 
um, and other things for kids and whatever it might be. And all of that is in a room and then they do a drop at different hours of the day. And um, the problem is that medical items are urgent. You know, it's not the same as food or, you know, rice or bread or milk or whatever. People's high blood pressure medicine, people's insulin, is, and if they've run out, it is urgent and it needs to go up in the moment. So what has happened is the system is really confusing because there isn't a priority system that has been put in place. Um, and so what would happen is it would be eight hours before someone gets something that they needed like two days ago. Do you know what I mean? And and the other thing that has um, that has happened is that uh, it's been hard to get the pharmacy to get to fix up the script for people um, and then get it delivered. So there's been a lot of problems there. More than that, CoHealth is dealing with the medical stuff and they're really doing their best. They're under resourced, unfortunately, and they and they close at six o'clock. So Fine. you know, people get six sick after six o'clock. <laughs> Um, and so then we're left here until two, three o'clock in the morning trying to somehow get medicine upstairs. Um, Areej, look, I'm terribly sorry, but the time has flown. Um, but it's been, I know. <laughs> it's it's wonderful that we uh, we took um, a bit of extra time at the top with Oatif, and it was really valuable yeah. to hear as much as we could from her. Really appreciate you making the time to come up, and and as you say, Areej Nua, you are a triple R presenter on the Rack. Do you want to just give that a quick plug? Yeah, the wrap is Wednesdays from 9 to midday. I didn't present this week, and it's unlikely that I will next week, but hopefully all the good, amazing people who come and feel will be able to get that show um, to the audience that needs it. Um, but, yeah, at this stage, I'm just here with my community and the people that I love and care about here at um, North Melbourne and Flemington. Wonderful. Thank you for your time this morning, and thank you for your work with the community. Thank you so much. Okay, bye for now. You've been listening to Areej New, a spokesperson from um, Voices from the Block. We're coming to the very tail end of our show. Uh, Dr. Sharma, Neonatal, how are you doing there? Pretty eye-opening stuff this episode. Um, we're just so grateful and honoured to have these uh, three voices uh, educate us. Hi, this is Panel Beater. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Therapy, a weekly radio show dedicated to health, medicine and well-being. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Feel free to get in touch with us via Radiotherapy's Facebook page.